seated. Good morning again. If you came in a little while ago, I'm Pastor Chris. Welcome to Coastal. Uh, glad to have you with us today. Uh, again, tomorrow is the first day of school. Anybody in this room, you know, have one of those kind of, I don't know, more, not traumatic experiences, you know, tomorrow, but, you know, like kindergarten, first grade. I know we have some parents who took their kids off to college in here. Anybody else, you know, like kind of, kind of emotionally, you know, worried about tomorrow? We're going to be praying for all of you. Pray for all of our parents and uh, kids and students and teachers. We've got a bunch of teachers uh, here at Coastal, a lot of people that work at school and uh, even homeschool. You know, I pray for those guys too. They got to, you know, get up at three and uh, <laughs> we homeschool too. So anyway, um, but uh, just pray for, pray for our folks that uh, are good friends at Oakland and uh, they're our, our buddies and uh, we uh, try to serve them throughout the year. Um, so just uh, excited about tomorrow. Um, we are in uh, the fifth and final installment of our summer reading series. And uh, I really do hope uh, that you have enjoyed uh, this series as much as we have. And uh, I hope that you have read, uh, I don't know, at least one of the books this summer, uh, or, or some of the books that, that uh, we kind of promoted for the series. Anybody here in this room read all five books? Anybody? Let me see a hand. Okay, Pam! <laughs> Pam, you know what, Pam, I got something for you, Pam. I've got a gift for Pam because she was the only one in this whole, man, you guys suck. Y'all are terrible. See, $50 gift card to, Bar to, to Barnes and Noble. Actually, when I thought about doing that, we actually discussed what, you know, I wonder if anybody actually is going to read, and somebody in staff meeting said, I bet Pam read all, book, all five, so, so there you go. I'm worried because the second service sometimes is standing room only, and I bet nobody read all five books, but anyway. Um, well, so far in this series, um, hey, by the way, today, uh, they're on sale, all the so, um, you know, it's like buy one, get one free for like five bucks in there. We've brought out some other books uh, from years past that we still have some copies of. So take, if you've already bought a book, don't complain now that they're on sale. In fact, you can go and have another one for free today. If you've already bought one, this is the honor system around here. So uh, anyway, we, the more important thing is that you actually read. Um, so far in this series, we have talked about the identity of Christ, our identity in Christ with that book, The Search for Significance. Uh, we used the book, The Five Love Languages, to talk about healthy families and relationships. And we talked about God's amazing grace with Max Lucado's book, uh, Grace. And uh, then last week, we talked about our finances with the short but very powerful book, uh, The Treasure Principle. Uh, today's book is entitled All In by Pastor Mark Batterson. Mark is one of my favorite authors. He's the pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C. And we've actually used a couple of his other books in this series in previous years, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, great book, and The Circle Maker, both great books. Well, today's book is all about commitment, going all in. And I like this quote from the book. It says, at the end of the day, our greatest regret will be whatever we did not give back to God, what we didn't push back across the table to him. Eternity will reveal that holding out is losing out. The message of all in is simple. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then Jesus is not Lord at all. It is all or nothing. It's now or never. It's all in. I love that. Um, you know, all in is a term that simply means exactly that, placing 
all that you have into God's hands, uh, pushing it all in. Uh, you see, so many people today are afraid that if they go all in with God, they might miss out on with what this life has to offer. And, uh, you know, it's not true. The only thing you're going to miss out on is everything that God has to offer. And the good news is this. If you don't hold out on God, God will not hold out on you. Now, the truth is, I can't hear the phrase, all in, uh, without thinking about our giving campaign of the same name uh, in a sermon series that we launched uh, almost exactly two years ago. Uh, two years ago, around this time right now, August, we began a series of, of parties and meetings to explain our all-in campaign. We even actually had, uh, we made poker chips. We'll put that picture up. Uh, anybody remember, everybody still has poker chips? Uh, uh, we actually made poker chips for this series uh, as a, a little invite tools. Um, and uh, that, I, so anytime I hear the phrase all-in uh, today, that's what I still think about. I think about our giving campaign. And there, there are certain words or phrases that have become a part uh, of the culture of what, here, what we do at Coastal. And uh, they, they help to define who we are and what we do. And, and they're phrases and statements that you'll hear me repeat a lot. And a lot of you know these. We've, we've maybe made some T-shirts with some of these phrases. Um, for example, here's a few of them. Uh, we don't just go to church. We what, Coastal? We are the church. Uh, we will do anything short of what to reach lost people? Short of sin. We exist to share and experience what? Life. The life of Jesus. Love what? Love can, exactly. Love can. Love can change the world one life at a time. And of course, all, all in. Well, for those of you who are new to Coastal, uh, over the last year or so, I want to use today, um, you know, I can't really talk about this book or use this book without talking about uh, what all in was about here at our church and uh, what God did in our midst and, and why uh, that all in campaign was such a turning point in the life of our church. Now, for those of you who are uh, who were a part of All In, um, you know today is going to be kind of a quick uh, history lesson, uh, maybe a reminder of the faithfulness of God. Um, and uh, but what I hope is that everybody, whether you're new to Coastal or whether you've been here for a while, that you will be encouraged today and challenged today to remain and to go All In. Now again, like I said, about two years ago, uh, we passed out what we called an all-in giving campaign packet. Uh, it was a folder. We gave it out to everybody, anybody who considered Coastal to be their church home. And uh, the packet explained in great detail the entire giving campaign and what we were going to accomplish and why and how and what the goals were and what we were going to do. Um, I want to share a portion of the letter that I wrote that was in that, uh, in that packet two years ago. And of course, I'm going to add a little bit of commentary. And I think you'll find it interesting what we said uh, two years ago. Here we go. Listen to this. It's time. In less than two years from now, Easter Sunday, 2015, Coastal Community Church will be 25 years old. Let that sink in for a moment. By the way, wasn't, um, if you were here for our anniversary celebration, that was a blast, wasn't it? 25 years, 25 years. So this, again, this was written two years ago. And I said, we are no longer a new church plant. 
You know, we are no longer a small startup church struggling to survive. We are a growing, thriving church here in the faith landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. But it's time. The elders, the staff, and I believe that our church is at a crossroads, a turning point, if you will. Now, I believe that as the pastor, we, you know, we, as a church, we kind of, we reach those points. You know, I, I call them hinge points, turning points, crossroads, where as a church, it's time for us to either, you know, go all in, walk by faith, or, or retreat. I'll continue. The purpose of our church has always been clear from day one, to share and experience life. In other words, by God's power and for his glory, we are called to reach our world for Jesus. Life is only found in him. We don't just go to church, we are the church. And we are on a mission to beat down the gates of hell and to rescue people one life at a time. We will do anything short of sin to see people come to know Jesus and grow in him. And we are committed to stepping out in faith and attempting things for God that only he can accomplish through us by his power. Well, it's time to put that into practice. We say we believe that. Let's do it. Let's do something so big for God that the world, the community around us will say, not what a great church, but what a great God. Let's check that God out. I want him in my life. So it's time. Time for what, you might ask? Time to ask those of us, those who consider Coastal Community Church to be your church home, to go all in. And to help us build a new building on our campus to keep growing so that we can reach more and more people for Jesus. I don't think anyone can accuse Coastal of being all about buildings. We were a portable church for 14 straight years. Setting up and breaking down every single Sunday. You know, I've joked many times, I used to pray that um, when we get to heaven, there will be no chairs in heaven because uh, I do not want to keep moving them. Although, now we still move chairs, so it doesn't really matter. Anyway, um, let me continue. We moved into our current facility over eight years ago, so now ten years ago. And have literally used it up because of our growth. We now have three services on Sunday morning. In the last five years, and again, this was written two years ago, we have grown from a church of around 100 to a church of almost 400. Isn't that funny? You know, again, two years ago. Now, by the way, we're a church of almost 500. Uh, you know, we had 774 on Easter Sunday. We've broken 500 in the last year like three times. Over the summer, we've had uh, attendances of... Like sometime in July, we had like 471, uh, another week, 469. So again, even in that period of time, we've continued to grow. But here's the reality. Our current facility, this facility that we're in, uh, was never built for 400 people and beyond. It was built for a church of about 200 people. We are simply to the point where our current facility is hurting our growth and our growth potential. So, what are our options? Well, we can pat ourselves on the back and say, good job, well done. It's time to relax and focus on ourselves. All the while telling the rest of the world they can what? Go to hell. Or 
we can pull together as a church, go all in, and do something about it. I think you know what camp I'm in. The first option is not an option. It never has been, and it never will be. Instead, we are going to build a 12,000 square foot metal building that will seat over 600 people in worship. It will be a multi-purpose facility for both worship and recreation space. Beyond that, it's going to be fairly simple. Restrooms, welcome center, cafe, kitchen, and storage space. It's going to cost approximately $1.3 million. Big goal? Sure. But we serve a mighty big God. Too fast? Too soon? Talk to the families who have been here from the very beginning. Talk to our ministry leaders. Talk to our volunteers. Talk to our staff. I think we all know it's time. It's not too much too soon. It's another one of those times to simply live out what we say we believe. You see, the real issue is not not money, it's not timing, it's not numbers, it's faith. Believing God, trusting Him, and obeying. You see, I believe God has spoken. And He is leading us to accomplish this to His glory, to further His kingdom. And when God speaks, that is always the time to obey. What really pumps me up is the thought of our entire church family stepping out in faith together, accomplishing something great for God, witnessing the many miracles in people's lives when they put their faith in action, rejoicing in the countless souls that are going to be saved in the process because God draws people to himself at a church that walks by faith, enjoying the unity we will experience as everyone together goes all in. Those are the results. It's not simply a building. A building is just a tool. But that's what the adventure of the Christian life, and that's what this church is all about. Well, that's what I wrote two years ago. And then for the next six weeks, together as a church family, we fasted together. We challenged everyone to find something during that next six weeks to fast. We prayed together. Uh, We had a daily devotional that we gave everyone that was in that packet. We encouraged everyone to go together every day with your family. All of our life groups that semester, if you remember, we didn't have different groups doing different things. All of our groups together went through the same material based on my sermons on Sunday morning. We had a coloring book uh, that we put together for all of our children. Uh, You might remember that we gave everybody a little bank uh, to collect and save uh, your coins and your change. And we encouraged and challenged everybody, this is the key, to come up with as much money as they could come up with for a one-time sacrificial offering. When they would also turn in a two-year giving commitment above and beyond your regular giving. Quite frankly, what we were doing was believing God for a miracle. In fact, Uh, That was the title of the very first sermon of the All In Giving campaign, How to Prepare for a Miracle. And we looked at one of of my favorite stories in Scripture, one of uh, of the most famous miracles of Jesus, where Jesus fed more than 5,000 people with one little little boy's lunch. And we know that it was more than 5,000 because the Bible just says that there were 5,000 men there. 
So there could have been another 5,000 women, maybe, you know, thousands of kids. I mean, literally there could have been like 15 to 20,000 people on this hillside that where Jesus feeds the whole crowd with this one little boy's lunch. And the, the miracle obviously is so important because it's included in all four of the Gospels. One of the only times in Scripture that a particular miracle is included in all four. So obviously God wants us to know something uh, from this story. So today, here's what I think. I don't think a whole lot's changed in the last two years. I don't think a whole lot's changed in the last 2,000 years. I think you, some of you are here today and you need a miracle in your life. You know, you might need one right now, today. Maybe you need a miracle in your marriage. Maybe you need a miracle in your finances. Maybe there's a relationship. Maybe there's a, a, a job. And, and you're going to say, God, how, how can I get your help? How can I get you to move in a mighty way in my life? Uh, I think you ought to know this story because there's some principles here that are timeless and help us to help to teach us how to cooperate with God for a miracle. So really quickly, let's talk about it. Number one, admit you have a need. Admit the situation you're in. Admit that you need help. You know, that here in this, uh, this story, they're in this situation, again, where there's this, this ginormous crowd. They've gone all day without food. It's the end of the day. They're in a remote location. And the disciples basically come to Jesus at the last minute and say, Jesus, we got a problem. Now, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to admit, admit that there is a problem, that there is a need, that you need help. But you know what? That's hard for some of us. It is. For some of you, it's very, very difficult to even admit that you need help. You know, it might be due to insecurity or pride. It might be because you've lived in denial about the situation for so long that it's hard for you to admit it. You know, you just can't admit that you need help. So what is it in your life, your marriage, your work that's a problem, but you don't want to admit it's a problem? Let me give you some options of what we sometimes usually do when we have a problem instead of admitting we have a need. One is we just procrastinate. A lot of churches do that. There's a problem, there's a need, they'll just put off dealing with it, put off dealing with it. Procrastination doesn't work. And again, it says here, by, by this time it was late in the day, is what it says in Mark chapter 6. Late in the day. You know, and, and that's so typical. We put off dealing with the problem that's been staring us in the face for a long time. We don't, we pretend it doesn't exist, we look the other way, we sweep it under the carpet, whatever you want to say. And the disciples were no different. They had all day to figure out what they were going to do with all these people, but they hadn't done anything. They just let the problem get worse, so they procrastinated. Some of you are doing that in a problem right now. And yet we all know that from our homework to our health, if you keep putting it off, it's only going to make the problem worse. Second thing we usually do, we pass the buck. We blame other people. We pretend it's, other, it's everybody else's fault. Not my problem, it's their fault. What, what did the disciples say? The disciples in, in Mark chapter 6, if you know the story, you know what they said? Send the people away. The, the, they didn't want to admit that they had anything to do with the problem. You know, hey, we didn't ask these people to come and hear Jesus speak today. You know, if they're hungry, let them go find their own food. It's not our problem to deal with. So we pass the buck. A lot of times, we just worry about it. Number three, we worry. The disciples' you know, anxiety went into overdrive. They, they, they do a little cost analysis. In fact, uh, one of them said it would take eight months of wages to feed all these people. 
What's he saying? Man, this is impossible. Now, if you know Peter, the apostle Peter, his mind had to have been going a million miles an hour going, well, how are we going to get all the food here? How are we going to keep it hot? Who's going to clean up after the mess? Who's going to get the liability insurance? You know, who's going to pull the permits? You know, we can't. Who's going to do all this? And so here's these disciples. They are procrastinating. They are passing the buck. They are worrying about the problem. And then don't miss this. All the while, they are standing next to the man who can turn stones into bread. All the while, they're standing next to Jesus. And that's what you need to hear loud and clear. The answer is right before you. The first principle that we learn from this is God's not going to help you until you admit you need help. That's the starting place. Once you've admitted you have a need, then you're ready to go to step two. Step two is assess what do we have to work with. You know, you, you, you realistically evaluate the resources you do have. Ask yourself a couple of questions. What do I have and how am I using it? Now, that's exactly what Jesus did. Verse 38, Jesus' response to the disciples. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Now, I think this is kind of funny, you know, that he's asking questions like this. But listen, he asked, go, go and see. And then when they come back, they reported, it says that when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Now, why did Jesus do that? Well, the second principle is this. God always starts with what you have when he wants to do a miracle. He always starts with what you have. Now, it might not be much. It might be just a little. You might not have much time. You might not have much energy. You might not have much money, much resources, much talent. But Jesus always starts with what you have when he's going to do a miracle. So the disciples come to Jesus with this problem, and he said, you feed them. Now, humanly speaking, what he was saying was, I mean, physically, humanly, financially, it was impossible. There's no way that was going to happen. Let me ask you, have, has God ever asked you to do something impossible with the little that you have? My guess is if, you're, if you've been a Christian, a follower of Jesus for any length of time, he has. You've said, I don't have the time to do that because I've got just a little bit. I don't have the energy to do that because I just got a little bit. I don't have the money to do that because we just have a little bit. We don't have the talent to pull that off because we only have a little bit. You see, God usually asks us to do the impossible with what we have. Why? He wants to stretch your faith. He wants to see his father get the glory. John 6, 6, Jesus asked this only to what? What's it say? Only to, is it on the screen? You can read with me. Jesus asked this only to what? Test them. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. When Je in other words, when Jesus said, you feed them, he already knew what he was going to do. He was just testing them. So the idea is, when you're out there sweating through a problem, and you need a miracle in your marriage, in your workplace, with your finances, listen to me, Jesus is not worrying about it. He has a plan. He saw the need in your life long before you did. 
He's already figured out what he's going to do. But he says, I'm going to wait on you to get concerned about it first. You've got to admit you've got a problem. You need to assess what you have to work with. And then number three, you need to give God what little you do have. Give to God what little you do have. Give him your time. Give him your money. Give him your energy. Give him your talent. Whatever it is. The Bible says in the book of John that Andrew found the little boy uh, who came to Jesus with this little sack lunch. Five little barley muffins and like two, two sardines. You know, my guess is that somewhere in this crowd of, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20,000 people, somebody had a basket of lunch. Somebody else had some food. The little boy becomes the hero of the story, not because he had the best lunch, not because he had the biggest lunch, but because he was the one who was what? Who was willing to give it to Jesus. He said, hey, right here, I'll give you what I got. And he gives to God what little he has. Verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Talking about Jesus. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before all the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. So somehow, the Bible says, as he began to break the bread, break the fish, and they began to distribute it, they kept breaking, they kept distributing, they kept breaking, they kept feeding and feeding and feeding. And it was a miracle. The third principle is, God will use whatever it is I give him. If I give him my time, God will use that. If I give him my money, God will use that. If I give him my talents, God will use that. If I give him my relationships, my dreams, my hopes, my ambitions, whatever I give to God, listen, God will take it, he will break it, he will bless it, and he will multiply it. And most likely, he'll even use it to feed other people. God, our God is in the business. He loves to do extraordinary things. Through ordinary people. And he wants to use you in a miraculous way. He wants to use this church in a miraculous way. And it's important to notice the kind of giving here from this little kid that sparks this miracle. The little boy we, we know gave willingly. You know, Matthew tells us that the little boy volunteered his lunch. Now, if it had been you, or if it had been me, you know, if I were the only kid in a crowd of, you know, five or 15,000, you know, ask yourself, would you have given up your lunch? I'm not sure I would have done that. I mean, you know, I might be looking out for what's best for me. I mean, after all, our, you know, you already know it's only a little bit. I'm not going to feed everybody. You know, I, you, I might protect what I have. But he gave willingly. He, apparently, he also gave cheerfully because there's no nothing here in Scripture about complaining or grumbling or worrying about it. You know, he didn't say, well, if I give my lunch to Jesus, you know, these disciples, what am I going to eat? You don't see that. And apparently, he did it immediately. As soon as he saw there was a need, he did it without hesitation. That's the kind of giving that, that produces a miracle. You know, one of, the, um, uh, one of the themes of our giving campaign was uh, equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. In other words, the reality is, because you know, some people think, well, my little amount, you know, doesn't matter and doesn't count. 
you know, and, and, and they think, well, the way that we're going to pull this thing off, Pastor Chris, is that we need a few people to give a lot of money. No. You know, we all can't give the same amount, not equal gifts, but what if we all proportionately made the same sacrifice? And what is a sacrifice to one person might not be a sacrifice to another person, but what if we all made that individual sacrifice according to how God has blessed us, and we don't give the same thing, but we all sacrifice? Man, that's when God shows up and does a miracle. Number four, whatever you do, whatever you give, expect God to multiply it. Expect God to multiply whatever it is. You give God what you have. Your talents, your time, your resources, your money, whatever. Verse 42, everyone ate and had enough. Now listen to this. Afterwards, they collected 12 baskets full of what? Leftovers. Can you imagine this kid if you actually, I don't know, maybe they give it all to the kid. Hey kid, take all this home, right? You know, can you imagine what his mom thought? You thief, you know, what did you do? Who did you rob? You know, what happened? You know, um, fourth principle, whenever I give, I always end up getting more back. I mean, that's just the truth. When I give God my time, somehow, some way, when I, when I commit to God the first day of the week, Sunday, and I commit to God the first part of my day, a quiet time, he multiplies my time throughout the day. You say you don't, you, you don't have enough time to get, get whatever it is you need to get done. Well, you might be doing the wrong things or you're not committing to God a part of your day. Because when you give God, whatever you give God, you get more back. He multiplies it. Same is true with your money. Same is true with your talent, your time, your resources. When I give God my energy, he multiplies my energy. God always makes sure of this. Here's the principle. You can't outgive him. He's never going to be on the short end of that stick. Never. You know, what this story teaches us is this. Often, while we're waiting for God to do something for us, God is waiting to do something through us. You see, God likes to, God likes to do his miracles through people. That way we get blessed. Our faith gets stretched. We get to grow up spiritually. We get to grow into maturity. We become what God wants us to be, a little bit more like his son Jesus. He loves to do miracles through his people. Now, don't miss this. You see, we still need a miracle today. They needed a miracle then, 2,000 years ago. We needed a miracle two years ago. And we still need miracles today. You still need a miracle in your life. And here's what I believe. I believe still today that God has put us, this church family, Coastal Community Church, in the middle, literally, of thousands of spiritually starving people. Spiritually hungry people. They're your neighbors. They live next door to you. They're at your school in your workplace, in your family, on your kid's ball team. And they are looking for anything. Anything to give them meaning and hope and purpose for their life. Many of them are trying therapy 
or pills or alcohol or relationships. They're taking drugs. They're having affairs. They're developing hobbies. They're they're just looking for anything. They're buying stuff. They're just looking for anything that's going to fill that hole, that's going to fill that emptiness. They are spiritually hungry, spiritually starving. And I believe that God has put Coastal Community Church right smack dab in the middle of it in 2015. And you know what he's saying to all of us? Like he said to his disciples 2,000 years ago, you ready for this? You feed them. You feed them. And yet so many Christians and so many churches in sometimes subtle or not so subtle ways, just like the disciples, are basically saying, it's impossible. Too many people. We don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We don't have the staff. We don't have the time. There's no way we can do that. How can we feed all these people spiritually? How can we take care of everybody? And all the while, don't you see, God is saying, I want to do a miracle through you. I've got the resources. What are you waiting for? So, by the way, what happened almost two years ago? Six weeks after we launched our all-in campaign. Well, in case you've forgotten, in one of the most difficult and, and seriously unstable economies, and maybe you've forgotten this, smack dab in the middle of a government shutdown. That's what was going on two years ago when we did this. You remember that? Our church gave the largest single Sunday offering in the history of our church for our all-in campaign. You ready for this? Over $55,000 in cash one day. And over $400,000 in two-year commitments. Families and children gave over 300 pounds in change. And it was a miracle. And it forever changed the landscape of our church. So how about you? You in need of a miracle today? Admit you have a need. Assess what you have to work with. Give God what little you have. And I guarantee he'll multiply it. Let me tell you something. What? What God did through our church two years ago forever changed our church. And I look at that building over there and I see what's happening. And it is. It's just a miracle. But it's just a tool. It's a tool to feed people. They're spiritually starving. You know, if you're new here to Coastal, you, you, you know, you, now you know what, what we did. What, what Really, not what we did, but what God did through us. And what, why we talk about all in and you hear that phrase. Hey, join us. Join us. Give. I got no problem challenging you to do that. You know, for those of you who have been a part of All In, just allow God to finish what he began. We're going to fill that building. We're going to fill it again. We're going to fill it. We're going to figure out what to do next. But we will always, always challenge one another to go all in 
to walk by faith and to trust God for their salvation. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for, um, I just thank you that we, we get to be a part of what you are doing in this world. God, help us to stop, you know, looking around and, and, and procrastinating and putting off and complaining and passing the buck. And, you know, you, you've put us right here, right now, and you're saying, feed them, Coastal. Heal them, love them, change them. I will be with you. I will, I will give you the power. I will give, give you everything you need and more. Go all in. You don't have to be afraid. Push it all across the table. Go all in. You'll never regret it. And I will supply every need you have and more. It will be the adventure of a lifetime. Father, may we continue to be that church that, that listens for your voice, that is obedient to your call, that walks by faith, and trusts you for the results. Father, there's folks here today who are in desperate need of a miracle. I pray they did kind of come clean with where they're at and stop, you know, they, they just admit it. Man, we're in a mess. We need help. And they look at what they do have and honestly evaluate what's here, what's left. And no matter, even though it might look really small and tiny, I pray they would give it to you because you have this amazing way of taking what we have and just doing something beautiful with it multiplying it, blessing it, and then even using it to reach out to other people. I pray that we would see many miracles here, now, and for years and years to come. Until you come back or you call us home. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.